Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognise the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognise the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Thank you very much, uh, Lou, for reading that. And uh, as we come to uh, look at this passage in greater detail, let's just bow our heads before the Lord once more and let's pray. Father God, we do thank you and praise you that you have given us your word so that we can know and can understand uh, your ways and to, un to know and understand you. Lord, thank you that you've given us, uh, in, given us in it everything that we need to know. And we ask that you'd give us understanding of this short passage we're looking at this evening and then help us uh, to be encouraged as we go out into the world in this coming week uh, that we might serve you better and that we might have greater confidence in you. For your name's sake we pray. Amen. Well, for those of you who uh, aren't normally here on a Sunday evening, um, we're, this is part of a series that we've been going through for uh, a few weeks now. And uh, we've got as far as chapter four, as you might have guessed. Uh, the reading's a bit of a giveaway in that sense. Um, and uh, one of the themes that comes out of this book uh, is that it's written so that we might have confidence, that we might be encouraged to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, Nathan was uh, speaking uh, about the whole question of assurance, of knowing, uh, uh, having certainty that we belong to the Lord. And uh, the, the, this book has given us many indications of the sort of things that we can look at to see evidence of God's work within us. Now this evening we are, in a sense, breaking new ground in this book, because uh, it's the first clear reference we have uh, in these chapters uh, to the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean to say that the Holy Spirit has been absent in the, uh, the, the previous chapters, but there's no definite use of the word spirit in, uh, in the uh, chapters so far. But I say that it's there, the Holy Spirit is present in this book, because we know that the Holy Spirit does all sorts of things. Uh, in our lives and in the, the life of the church. And one of the things that he has done to inspire is the scriptures themselves. These words uh, we, we read in 1 Peter, uh, sorry, 2 Peter, that, that, that they are written by men who have been moved by the Holy Spirit to write them. And I think I'd want to start this evening, rather than looking straight at the passage, but just very briefly to give us a, a quick recap 
on some of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Uh, I've noticed over the years, as uh, in many churches and Christian organizations, a, a slight hesitancy about saying anything about the Holy Spirit because uh, over the years there have been controversies concerning the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, when I was first converted, uh, the charismatic movement was quite a big uh, issue and some were absolutely bowled over by it and some were absolutely vehemently against it. And churches that wanted a quiet life tended to keep quiet and say nothing, which I think is a shame. I remember uh, in Shrewsbury many years ago, uh, there was a, a mission being held by a number of churches in the town and uh, some of them were charismatic churches and some were not. And talking to a group from one church, uh, and they mentioned another church and described it as, oh, they don't believe in the Holy Spirit there. Now, I happen to know that church quite well, uh, and I, I, I knew that that was totally wide of the mark. It's just they didn't do certain things that other churches did. So let's have a look at some of the, the basic things that the Holy Spirit does in each of our lives. This is going to be very quick. Um, and I'm not going to read out lots of passages of Scripture. I'm going to give you some Bible references, and if you're uh, writing notes, I'll see if I can uh, beat you. <laughs> it's going to be very quick. But the Holy Spirit does a, a whole host of things. First of all, let's look at the way in which he works in our salvation. Uh, we read right back in John chapter 3, in John's Gospel, how the new birth when someone becomes a Christian, we read that they are born again by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit works in people's lives uh, to bring them to Christ and to enable them to believe and then gives them that new birth into the kingdom of God. Uh, and as part of that, Jesus promised that the, he would send the Holy Spirit to convict the world uh, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. John chapter 16, verse 8. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit who shows us what we really are like. It's in a sense, we talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, the Holy Spirit brings us the, the bad news about ourselves, that we are sinners, that we fall short of uh, God's standards and therefore stand liable to judgment. That's an important part of coming to believe in Jesus Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes to see our real need. Uh, we read John chapter 15, verse 26. The Spirit testifies of Christ, pointing people to the Lord. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. The Holy Spirit regenerates and renews the believer. So in our salvation, the Holy Spirit is at work. Um, not only that, but we read that he indwells us uh, and, and lives within us. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Uh, then, so that's salvation. We could go on and then look at what we call sanctification. In other words, this is a process of becoming more like Jesus. Uh, a, a passage that's very well known in this respect is Galatians uh, chapter 5, and starting at, at verse 16. Uh, and this passage uh, tells us about how the Spirit himself uh, uh, set, sets himself against the desires of the flesh and leaves the believer into righteousness, uh, Galatians 5, 16 to 18, which means that, uh, that the Holy Spirit is uh, at war against all the sinful desires of our own hearts. 
I'm sure you are familiar with that sort of battle that goes on in your, uh, uh, in your lives. You know that there are certain things that are wrong and that are bad and we shouldn't be doing. Then you know that there are certain things we should do, but we somehow don't want to. And we know that that's wrong. And yet we find ourselves still doing it. There's that battle between what we know is good, what is of God, what is holy, and what our sinful natures, the flesh, desires. And it's that the Holy Spirit is producing that tension, producing that battle that's going on, helping us to become more like Jesus, showing us our, 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 our failings, but also enabling us and empowering us to become more holy, more godly, more Christ-like. Um, and as he does so, the, the works of our sinful natures become much less evident, and the fruit of the Spirit becomes more evident. And look, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are things which the Holy Spirit works in us. They're fruit that grows as we uh, walk with God and the Holy Spirit works within us. Uh, it produces good fruit. Um, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Or as Jesus puts it, John chapter 14, verse 26, uh, he is our comforter or counsellor. Uh, a comforter seems like someone who comes and puts an arm around your shoulders and says, there, there, there. Well, it, that's not quite the, the meaning of the word. Um, it's more it's giving encouragement as well. If you go and look at the Bayo Tapestry, you know, that's a long thing that has pictures of the, the Norman Conquest. Uh, and the Battle of Hastings. There's one point, I forget which king it is, I think it might be King Harold is standing behind some of his soldiers and he's poking them back with his sword. And underneath the, the, the description goes, King Harold comforteth his soldiers. Um, I'm not sure I'd find it tremendously comfortable to have someone poking me with a sword, but it's to stir us up, to encourage us to go, go forward. The, the, he is our counsellor in the sense of uh, one who is an advocate for us, uh, but also gives ad ad advice and guidance. He indwells believers and seals them, puts his seal of approval, seal of, sorry, a seal of belonging on them. Uh, some of you might remember the days when we sent letters to people. Do you, do you remember those things? A piece of paper you put in an envelope and stick a stamp on them and, and put it in a box. And amazingly, it gets got there the next day. Oh, for those days again. Uh, but I'm just about old enough for, uh, to, to, to remember my parents having something where you've melted a bit of wax and then put a, a pr pressed a, a stamp into it on the back, a uh, little wax seal, so you know that the envelope hadn't been opened or anything like that. I'm not incredibly old. We, ha we never used it. Um, but, it's a, a wax seal, but it's a seal that showed that it hadn't been tampered with and sometimes those seals were applied to uh, house deeds and so on to show that they truly had uh, uh, belonged and god puts his seal on us the seal of the holy spirit uh, he guards and guarantees the salvation of the ones he indwells uh, ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 if you're writing it down or and 4 30. spirit helps us understand through the Spirit, we can, uh, we, we can comprehend the thoughts of God, understand the thoughts of God as revealed in the Scripture. 
1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 13. You, you've got this sort of thing where he opens our eyes and our minds to understand the truth. And many of you will know that uh, have, have had this experience where before you became a Christian, you would read bits of the Bible. Uh, you might understand the words. You might appreciate the stories. But when you became a Christian, the whole thing started to come alive. You, got, you, you saw the, the meaning of it. You got the real understanding of it. That's the work of the Spirit. Um, the Spirit comforts believers with fellowship and joy as they go through a hostile world. 1 Thessalonians 1.6. The Spirit in his mighty power fills believers with all joy and peace as they trust the Lord, causing uh, believers to overflow with hope. Romans 15, 13. And the Holy Spirit empowers us for service, to help us to do the things that God wants us to do, calls us to do. Uh, this is one of the areas that, where the controversy has been, and uh, some people have uh, emphasized certain gifts uh, of the Spirit that we find listed in 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, but there are other lists uh, of the gifts of God, uh, that God gives us to. And it's worth looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. There's nothing particularly dramatic or exciting there, but crucial gifts that God gives his church, the ability for people to be uh, teachers and administrators and uh, organizing things and, and being able to give to support uh, the needy. The, whole, the spiritual gifts that believers possess are given as God thinks is wise. So not everyone has the same gifts, but we all work together. Now we come to the passage. Um, I, I said that it, it's this chapter that the Holy Spirit is first uh, introduced in this, uh, in this particular book, but actually it's, it's the, uh, the verse beforehand at the end of chapter 3. Let me just read the last two verses of chapter 3. This is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. That's just basically saying what I've, all the stuff I've been going through. But un see that, that the Spirit lives within us. We are in him. He is in us. Now, there is a danger when we talk about things that are spiritual that we misunderstand what that actually might mean. And so John goes on, and at uh, the beginning of chapter 4, he tells us not to believe every spirit. He says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit, spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. There are some things that uh, may seem very spiritual. I don't know how you would define that. Maybe if, if I was to uh, do a survey this evening, I'm not going to, don't worry, um, but survey what you thought might seem spiritual, we'd have lots of different ideas. Sometimes things that might seem spiritual uh, are not necessarily right or good just because something is spiritual. It doesn't automatically mean that it is of God for there are evil spirits as well. And some things that don't seem spiritual at all may, uh, <laughs> we, we may actually perceive that there is a spiritual side to them. Some of the things that go on in our lives by the courtesy of the Holy Spirit may not 
in, result in some sort of great transcendental experience or, or nice fuzzy warm feelings uh, or whatever, but it's still the Holy Spirit at work. So it doesn't necessarily depend on what we feel, but understand this, that we live in a world that is spiritual as well as, uh, uh, as physical. We see a mention of this in Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul is writing about the armor of God, which we as Christians can and should put on. And why do we need armor? He says this, Ephesians 6 verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor. See, it's talking about this spiritual battle that is going on. There's a, uh, th th there are powers that we cannot see or touch that are at work uh, in this world. So therefore, we shouldn't believe every spirit, but test them. It talks about many false prophets uh, having gone out into the world. Um, this was a particular problem uh, in John's day, and we've already uh, mentioned back in chapter 2 about a number of folk who had gone out from this community of Christians that John's were uh, writing to, and, and they are now preaching a different message. And uh, we, we return to, to this bit here. In, in our day and age, there are all sorts of false prophets, I and mean, they may not be uh, even remotely connected with the Christian church, but there's so many different people with different messages and different philosophies, different religions, no religion at all. Uh, and we see there the diversity of the devil's schemes. The devil doesn't really care what people believe, so long as they don't believe in God and put their trust in Jesus Christ. And to that end, uh, he'll raise up people who will promote atheism as much as they, he'll raise up people to promote Satanism, humanism, any sort of isms that, that, that there are. I'm not going to even try and think of them all because I can't. All sorts of different religions or materialism, um, where people just want more and more stuff. It's the diversity of the devil's schemes. How can we test to see what is genuine and what is uh, not? What is of God and what is, is, is wrong? You know, if you were to try and uh, build up a database of every single false teaching, philosophy, idea or whatever, you would you, you would be swamped by it, you know. And so someone comes to you with a, an idea, you say, oh, you get out your phone and you go to the app and you try and see if you can find it listed there because without knowing whether it's true or not, well, we could be stuffed. But actually, John makes it very easy. Rather than trying to list all the things that are wrong in the false teachers and in these uh, uh, false prophets and, or whatever, all the things that are wrong in these false philosophies, he tells us, what is right, and how we can recognize uh, the Spirit of God, which is the only one that matters. So if we know what the Spirit of God is, what, what uh, the, the, the teaching, the message that he emphasizes there, then anything that doesn't agree with that, by, def by definition, is not of God. 
so we can ignore it. We might have to do battle against it. It might help us to understand that, that what the people, uh, what the people who, who practice these things believe so that we can discuss it with them. But we don't need to know in order to defeat it. We just need to, to know what the truth is. So what is it that marks out that helps us to recognize the true spirit, the spirit of God? We read, um, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Well, that's simple then, isn't it? If they are for Jesus, then <laughs> they are from God. If it's against Jesus, then it's wrong. It, sh it should be put out of our minds. We should fight against it. So what does that phrase mean if it's so important? Uh, acknowledging that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That's from God. Well, first of all, notice that that word acknowledge actually means uh, a little bit more than just you know, recognizing somebody. Um, the other day I was in the, the, the dump at, well, I, I was visiting the dump. I wasn't in the dump uh, in, in Shrewsbury and taking some rubbish there to, uh, to um, thank you, Amy, someone appreciated my little silliness there. Um, as I drove in there, I was driving my car th uh, through it, looking for the skip I wanted, and there was Pete Turnbull walking the other way. And so I wound down my window as I dro drove past, and I said, hi, Pete, and he went, oh, hi, yeah. So we waved at each other, we acknowledged each other's presence, and there was a drove on. Um, we didn't have any lasting conversation at all. Now, John doesn't mean acknowledging Jesus in, the, in that sense, of just nodding at him and saying, watch you, mate. What he's really saying, some other translations talk about confessing Jesus Christ. Uh, and the, the, the real sense of this, I'll just find my notes, um, the, the real sense of this is uh, to, it, the word confess, it actually means to, speak the same things, to agree, uh, to assent, accord, agree with, hence to con uh, concede, admit, and confess. It means to agree and to be taken up and to, to, to devote oneself to that particular thing. So talking that Jesus Christ in this, these teachings is going to be prominent. But then it's talked about Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. I think one of the things we miss there, if we're not careful, is the importance of the word Christ. Christ is not a name. It's not like that, you know, Jesus Christ, Jesus first name, Christ surname. The, the, the word Christ really is a descriptive title. In Hebrew, it would be Messiah. In Greek, it's, uh, it's Christ. In English, for some reason, it's Christ. Uh, we, we like to borrow other people's words, don't we? So it's basically talking about the anointed one, one who had been foretold in the, the Old Testament scriptures and uh, who then leads us, uh, uh, you know, then, pr you know, sorry, he comes into this world uh, to save his people. The description of Jesus as Christ there uh, is not just identifying him like a name would do but it's talking about 
who he is and what he has done and why he has come into the world and f in, in the fulfillment of all the pr uh, promises of the Old Testament concerning the Messiah, the Christ, who is going to come and save God's people and give them eternal life, forgiving their sins, being a sacrifice for them. You could very, very safely translate this as uh, the, uh, Jesus, as Christ has come in the flesh. Christ has come in the flesh as Jesus. It's emphasizing who he is, that he is the one who had been promised. So, and, and all that he was going to do when he came. It's basically saying it's Jesus and his gospel, Jesus and the message of salvation. As we've said so often in recent months, it's all about Jesus. Come in the flesh. There is only one way. If, it, if something doesn't emphasize the, the centrality of Jesus in providing a, 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 a salvation, a, an eternal life for people, then it's not of God. One way, Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. One way, Jesus Christ. There's no alternatives, no options, no add-ons. It's not like, you know, you're thinking, well, there's lots of different ways. Um, have you ever tried booking an, air, an, an airline ticket or even a train ticket? You get all the different options. You can go different ways. You can find cheaper ways. Uh, last night, just um, out of pure uh, curiosity, thinking of what I was going to say this evening, I, I did a quick search to find out what the cheapest way to, to get a return fare to London tomorrow would be. Um, and the cheapest fares on th four different uh, websites, these, these are not the most expensive ones, but the most expensive ones were eye-wateringly and would have cost more than, more than a week's salary when I was working. But uh, the cheapest one for one return journey ranged from £41.50 up to £133. And different options and so on. No, it's not like that with Jesus Christ. There's not different options, not different um, alternatives. There's no add-ons. He is the way, the truth, and the life. One way, Jesus Christ. Everything is provided. And the price has been paid. Jesus on the cross. Anything else that does not exalt that, that may just mention Jesus in passing or may despise Jesus in passing, anything else is not of God. No matter how moral something sounds or how appealing it might be, if it doesn't have Jesus as he really is, as revealed to us in the scriptures, then it isn't of God. Look at verse uh, 4. You, dear children are from God and have overcome them. That's overcome these false teachers. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And surprise, surprise, the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. A couple of implications 
from that. Don't be deceived by the messages of the world, no matter how spiritual they are or how rational they are. People sometimes make a great thing about everything being ordered and rational, and therefore it must be right. But it's not rational if they leave out some of the evidence that they might that they should be considering. And if they leave out God and the fact that he is a creator, that he is a lord, that he is a king, that he's uh, a ruler and has made laws and, and all the rest, if they leave that out, then anything else they come up with is going to be wrong. It's going to be irrational because they've left out a significant part of the evidence that they have to consider. No, trust the true message, the teaching that we have received that is written down for us in the scriptures. And recognize that there is a spiritual dimension to it. It's not just about us doing our hardest. The Holy Spirit lives in us. He is able to help us. He is able to strengthen us. And he is able to lead us and to guide us. Recognize that spiritual dimension. And as you do so, do the thing which you need to in order to engage at that spiritual dimension and pray. So easy to forget to do that. But the more that we pray, the more we will understand these things and experience God's help and his strength. Let's pray, shall we? Dear Lord, we thank you for your goodness and love. We thank you that you have set your, uh, uh, that love upon us so that nothing can separate us from it. Lord, we thank you for the work that you have done in so many of our lives here this evening. Uh, thank you that you've brought us into your kingdom, that you've adopted us as your children, that you've washed us clean of all our sin, and that you then lead us on in our lives day by day. Help us, Lord, to uh, hear your word, to read it and to understand it by the re revelation that you give us so that we might live, want to live in a way in which honors you. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us to bear fruit in uh, your fruit in our lives, that we might be people who are gentle and loving, kind and compassionate, patient, and all the rest of it. Oh, Lord, come and move amongst us, we pray. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you that this is all about him and what he has done for us. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that the way that you have purposed these things for us and brought it and accomplished it all. For your name's sake we pray. Amen.